And as Paul talks about his gospel, my gospel, which he's going to call it later on, here he just says the gospel of God. He comes down to the bottom uh, of this opening sentence, actually, but down to verse uh, 5. It says, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God, called to be saints, grace to you, peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. This phrase, obedience of faith, we, we opened a little bit talking about this in our last session. This is not obedience and faith. And a lot of times we, we get that mixed up because to us, the, the normal way that we use obedience is in, in reference to rules, laws. And so obedience means you better do this, right? And so we all had a parent at one time. You still... You know, and the parrot said, are you being obedient? And we'd say yes, but we weren't. Because there might be outward action, but not inward submission. And so when we see this word obedience, what we really need to think more about is the word, what the word means, to sit under what you hear, to submit to what is heard. It comes from the Greek word for uh, sound, akuo. It means to be under the sound, under somebody's words, under what has been said. Now, that can have effect with rules and regulations and laws, but the way God uses the idea of obedience through this what we call dispensation of grace, is obedience of faith, obedience to the promises, obedience to what God has said. And the better way to think of this phrase, the obedience of faith, is obedience that results in faith. Because what God is talking about here is obedience to what you're hearing. And before you can do what you hear, you have to what? Believe. So the idea of, of the obedience of faith, what is the obedience of faith? To believe. Faith being in the noun, believe being the verb. The obedience is to believe. What have you heard? Believe it. Then comes doing or receiving or whatever follows. But if there's no believing first, then there will not be the result. And so the idea that, that we find, and this is going to be seen as we'll, we'll look here in, in our lesson tonight, this becomes almost a theme through the book of Romans, the obedience of faith, although he only uses the phrase here at the beginning and again at the end. But this idea of submitting to what you hear and being under what you hear, accepting the authority of the one who has spoken or the one who has given you 
these, these words, promises, because the book of Romans is not as much about rules and regulations as it is about promises. God made promises. Do you believe them? Do we believe? We want to sit under that. Oh, God made a promise, but I don't believe it. See, that's, that's not being obedient. If we will not believe the promises. Here's a, here's a verse, and it comes from a story in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 5, the, the verse is there in your page. I'm not going to go back and do the whole story, but this is a time when Israel was being invaded. And there was a king named Ahaz. And this king was sometimes a good king, sometimes a bad king, more a bad king. And he would get manipulated by and pulled into the, um, the unbelievers, the pagan worshipers. You know, sometimes it's like their gods were doing better than our god, so let's go follow their god for a while. Um, you know, it's like somebody that's, yeah, I, I, I like my, this team, but if this team's doing better, I like that team. You know, so and one of those in being OU place here, you know how that feels right now. But anyway, Isaiah came to this man. They were about to be invaded by this king, and... The invasion was coming, and because of Ahaz's policies and the things that he had done, God sent Isaiah and said, this is what's going to happen, and this is what these two kings have said, and they're going to come down, and they're going to destroy you, and this is, these are their words. They are going to destroy this nation. And then Isaiah said, but this is what God says. It will not take place. It will not happen. Whoa, I like that. It will not take place. It will not happen. But then Isaiah said one more phrase. And this is the one you have there. But if you do not believe, or some Bibles say if you do not stand strong, if you do not believe, surely you will not be established. If you don't believe... You're not going to see the victory. If you will not stand strong in this, you will not stand strong at the end. Because the Greek word or the Hebrew word is the same. If you will not stand fast, you shall not stand fast. There's, there's had to be something. They had to do something. What did they have to do? What did Ahaz have to do? Believe. He had to believe. But he didn't. He wouldn't. And this is where, a few verses later, Isaiah says, they ask, ask God anything. Ask God, ask God for a sign. Ask him for anything that you want to ask. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's right for me to make demands of God. No, I'm not going to ask God for anything. I wouldn't dare, he said, ask God for anything. I say, well, God's going to give you a sign. A virgin will conceive, bring forth a son, da-da-da. But in this situation, you're not going to stand. So here's God's promise. It will not take place. It will not happen. Guess what? 
It did take place and it did happen. And over 100,000 people died with this invasion. But God made a, made a statement. So here's a perfect example of the obedience of faith. If you will not believe, you will not stand. So this, the important part here, the obedience. God didn't ask Ahaz to go out and do all kinds of work. He didn't have to go build something. He didn't have to go change anything. He didn't have to do it. All he had to do was what? His obedience was to do what? Believe. Believe. Now, I'm not going to do that. Then what's the promise? You won't succeed. That doesn't sound like a very good promise. <laughs> but it was a promise. And so this idea of obedience, see, we get caught up in the doing. And so we want to do stuff. So God, give me some rules and I'll do some stuff for you. Which is where Israel ran into trouble once they got out of the promised land and they came into Sinai. When did God give Israel the law? Before they came out of Egypt or after? Before they crossed the Red Sea or after? Before they had miracles of, of water in the wilderness or after? After. All of them were after. The law came after. What were they under when they called upon God and he delivered them from Egypt? When they called upon God and he brought them through the Red Sea? When he produced water in the wilderness? When he gave them manna to eat? What were they under? Promise. God made a promise. And over and over in those first chapters of Exodus up to chapter 19, over and over the phrase takes place. As I promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. As I promised to Abraham, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The promise, the promise, the promise. Do you believe the promise? And based on the promise, they came out of Egypt. They came through the Red Sea. They saw water in the wilderness. They saw manna in the wilderness. God brought them out. Then they came to Mount Sinai, and God said, I want you to come up here and worship me. And they said, well, we'd rather you send Moses, and then everything you tell him to tell us, we'll do. They chose the law. They chose it. We'll, we'll do what you say, because we're doers. See, we're into doing. So we... we We've changed the word do into a noun. I don't know, we're going to do lunch. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. So doing is, is what we're all about today. But God's all about believing. Because the doing doesn't mean anything if there's no believing. The obedience of faith is to believe. Let's look at this illustration in Isaiah chapter 1. Now, this one I, I would like for you to turn to if you've got a Bible or a device. Isaiah chapter 1. Verse 
Isaiah chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 12. There's a lot here, but I'm just going to do this one section. Now, how many of you know sometimes God can use sarcasm? If you didn't know that, get over it, all right? God is chief sarcaster, sarcaster, sarcaster. I don't know. I, I, I don't have a noun for that. So anyway, he's good at it. Yeah, thank you. Look at verse 12, Isaiah chapter 1. When you come to appear before me, who is required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon, Sabbath, the calling of the convocations, I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons, your appointed feasts, my soul hates. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Didn't God order those? I mean, those were his idea. Go back, Exodus, Leviticus, yeah, they're all in there. God told them, they have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I'll hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Come now. Let's reason together. See, we know that verse. We just didn't read the parts before it. God says, I'm sick of your doing. Because your doing is without believing. There's obedience but no faith. The obedience of faith is to believe, and you're not. Oh, we'll bring our offerings, we'll do this, we'll celebrate the new moon, we'll sacrifice extra, we'll make the sacrifices. You want a hundred sacrifices? We'll give you a thousand sacrifices. We're, we're real big, we got a lot of sheep this year, we, can, you know, we, got, we got blood flowing, we'll do it all for you. God says, I hate it. I hate it. The sacrifices that God demanded. Why? Because their hearts weren't there. They were just killing sheep. Just drawing blood. We can fall into the same pattern in our lives. Of just doing things without the heart. God wants the heart. That's the obedience of faith. Do you believe. Now we can follow this track from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. David says it in Psalm 69. Go back to your page. Psalm 69 verse 30. David said, I'll praise the name of the Lord, of the name of God with a song. I'll magnify him with thanksgiving. Listen verse 31. This will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hooves. David lived under the law. 
David delivered the demands of offering sacrifices. He says, I can, I can bring a bull or an ox, but you know what I'm going to bring? Thanksgiving. I'm going to bring a song. I'm going to sing unto my God. And that will please him better than a sacrifice. The obedience of faith. David caught it. Colossians chapter 1. This is one of my favorite translations of this passage. This is the J.B. Phillips translation or the New Testament uh, in modern English. And so you've got your translation there in your device or whatever, your Bible. But this is at the bottom of page 1. Paul says, Colossians chapter 1, we know that you are showing these qualities, this faith and love, because you have grasped the hope reserved for you in heaven. You grasp the hope that's reserved for you in heaven. That hope, which first became yours, listen to this, when the truth was brought to you. What did they do? The obedience of faith. They heard the message and they believed the message. Then they did things. Then they did things that pleased God. But what came first? Hearing and believing. Hupakuo. Sitting under the word. Obedience. You submit to what you heard. You submit to the sound. And you submit to that and you what? Believe. When the truth was brought to you, it is a course part of the gospel itself this is the gospel and listen i love the way he says it which has reached you as it spreads all over the world wherever that gospel goes it produces christian character and develops it the gospel if you do what if you believe it it produces if you believe it but don't just do it Because there's no blessing in the doing, there's the blessing in the believing. So the obedience of faith that God is asking for is found here. So I'm going to go through the next couple pages, actually takes about two pages. I'm going to go through passages from actually Romans where this subject of the obedience of faith is found. This becomes almost a theme. Now, the first ones I have on here don't occur in the book of Romans, but we'll get to that. Top of page two. Adam and Eve. It all started in the garden. Did they sit under the sound? Did they submit to the sound of what they heard? Yeah, for a while. Then somebody came along with a better sound. When they liked better. And so they submitted to that sound. And what? Lost everything. They submitted to the words of the serpent. Instead of the words of God. So instead of the obedience of faith. They produced the obedience of rebellion. We don't want to do what God said. We heard it. We know it. We just don't want to do it. I didn't put it here, but Genesis chapter 4 tells the story of a man named Abel, his brother Cain. 
And if you go over to Hebrews chapter 11, it says that Abel, by faith, Abel what? Offered a more excellent sacrifice. And then the next verse says, for without faith, it's impossible to please God. Abel's sacrifice was by faith. Abel had the obedience of faith. Not just the obedience of bringing the lamb and not just the obedience of shedding the blood. It was the obedience that said, God, ask for this. Cain said, God asked for that, but I'm not going to give it. The obedience of rebellion, rejection. And so the idea of accepting the word. Noah, God spoke to Noah, build me an ark. All right. Bring all the animals in. All right. Go into the ark. All right. Noah was saved. Because he submitted to the sound, the obedience of faith. He believed. Abraham. God made a promise of a nation. We'll talk more about Abraham as we go, but Abraham, God made a promise. Abraham kept going back to the promise. God kept reminding him of the promise. God would come to him and appear to him, and speak to him about the promise. God gave him examples, sand, stars. Believe, believe, believe. Abraham's obedience of faith produced righteousness. So he was blessed. Moses, God came to Moses in the burning bush. God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is from Exodus chapter 3. And then God said, I have heard, I have seen, I know I am come. Go, tell my people. And so Abraham, or Moses, believed. His obedience of faith led him to tell the people, and the people came out. How? By promise, not by law. By promise. But then came the law. And the law produced requirements. People fell under the do instead of the believe. So the law became the doing. God wanted it, we'll do it. God wants it, we'll do it. God wants it, we'll do it. In fact, we'll do more. So, if you've been to Israel, you can't push a button, you know, on the Sabbath day because it might kindle a fire. If there's a little spark and then you've kindled a fire, and so you can't do that on the Sabbath day. God didn't say you can't push an elevator button. God never said that. But they add to it, add to it, add to it. Isn't that the same thing that Adam did? He told Eve, you can't touch the tree. God didn't say that. So she touched the tree, nothing happened. And she said, I don't believe the rest of it either. So when we add to things and we do the law, we are not 
following the obedience of faith. You say, we are, but that's being obedient. No, it's not. Obedience of faith is to do what God has said. Believe. Believe. So God asks us to believe. Acts chapter 13. Paul in his sermon said, and by, and by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Wow. That's got to be, if, if you don't have that verse highlighted in your Bible, do it. And you can even highlight in your device if you have the right kind of Bible program. Bookmark it or something. By him, that is by Jesus, everyone who believes is freed from, say the next word, everything. everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by what? The law. For righteous shall live by faith. Let me just add this. The righteous shall live by the obedience of faith. Not obedience. The obedience of believing. Say, but I want to do something. I want to do. I want to have this. I want to have that. It's not. You can't add to it. You can't take the believing away and say, well, I did this. It won't work. Lighting candles. We're burning incense. We're doing this. We're doing that. We're doing this. We're having this. We, we've consecrated this. We've done all kinds of things. We, we've called it holy. God didn't call it holy. God asked you to believe what he said. Believe. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. Then what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. See, when you don't get to do, you can't boast. What did I do? Nothing. I believed. So he says, well, that's doing something. No, it's not. Read the Bible. Believing is not works. It's not doing the obedience of faith, I can't boast because all I did is believed. I don't have any prize for that. I believed. God did the work. Boasting is excluded, but I want a merit badge. I like my merit badges. I like to see sometimes these these. I've especially seen it in Russia. They they almost have to have separate panels for all the medals that they wear. They got medals here and everywhere. Their merit badges, you know, the scouts you used to be able to have the had to have a sash, you know, that didn't fit anywhere on your chest anymore. So you got to have a sash to bring all your merit badges. God doesn't care about merit badges. He took them out of the way. But I like my merit badge. But it means nothing before God. Somewhere, I've got blue ribbons someplace. I had them stored. My mom, I don't know, they're gone now. That I was a 440-yard champion runner. You know what? means nothing. It means nothing. I couldn't do it now. 
So there goes my boasting. <laughs> you weren't there. You didn't see it. You won't know. And nobody cares. Our boasting. So where then is boasting? It's excluded. But what kind of law? How, can, how dare God take my boasting away? How dare God take away my doing? Because doing is the big thing. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No. But the law of faith. What's the law of faith? Believe. <laughs> the obedience of faith. Believe. For we hold that no one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. You can't be justified except by faith. So, obedience of faith becomes a theme for this book. We can go all the way back to the beginning of Romans, Romans chapter 1. Favorite passages. Passages we love to meditate on. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 and following. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. There's a lot of people like to preach that. That's you got to say it with a little spit coming out of your mouth. Red face. Against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Listen to what the next phrase is. Who by their unrighteousness suppress, suppress, suppress the truth. In other words, they know the truth, but they suppress the truth. What did Abel do? Suppress the truth. Cain, sorry. Thank you. Cain, suppress the truth. Those who follow God's word simply by believing. But these don't want what God says, so they're going to suppress the truth, but then they have to change it in order to meet what they want to do. And so that's what follows in Romans chapter 1, for what can be known about God is, what's the next phrase? Plain to them. They already know it. They already know it. Because God has shown it to them. Say, well, but they're, but they're ignorant. No, they're rebellious. They've rejected. They've suppressed the truth. They've ignored what God has said, they change the words, they create a philosophy, they create some kind of, of superior education or superior knowledge to justify. Their religion allows them to justify their rebellion against God, but it doesn't change God. They know the truth. What if instead of rejecting it, they believed it? they'd be saved. Their unrighteousness is rejected, going down to Romans chapter 1, verse 21 through 24. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. So again, here's the, the hearing, knowing something, rejecting it, and instead doing 
what they want. They did not honor him as God. They did not sit under the word. There was no, what's our phrase? Obedience of faith. They did not believe what God had said. It's not about what they're doing that is the evil thing. What they're doing is a result of not accepting the word, of not believing, of not having faith. So those are natural results of the body finding all of its own justifications and all of the evil that Paul mentions in Romans chapter 1 is a result of the rebellion. And it's the work. It's not the things that they're doing that were the real problem. It was the what? Rejection. All right? So they rejected what God had said. Then we move into Romans chapter 2, and you get some good people. People that, you know, they, they know what the law says, and even though they may be Gentiles or Jews, they're still doing the things that the law said. So they're being good people. Good people get to go to heaven, right? All dogs go to heaven, surely. All good people go to heaven, right? And uh, if you watch enough Hallmark movies, I'll move on. But um, watch enough, they turn into angels. Yeah. Or an angel comes down and they just, because they, they come back to earth and they do some good things. And they, of course, bring their dog with them and the dog is part of the, the <laughs> solution. And then they all get to go to heaven because they're being good. They've done good to somebody, they helped somebody, they helped the poor, they did this thing, they did that thing, and because all of their good, they get to go to heaven, right? No. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that is the goodness, that God's kindness is meant to lead you to what? Repentance. Repentance. His kindness leads you to repentance what i'm doing is wrong i'm not following the promise i'm not following the things that god said even the jews fall under this indictment but if you call yourself a jew this is romans 2 verse 17 you call yourself a jew and rely on the law and boast in god and know his will and approve what is excellent because you're instructed from the law and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind and a light to those who are in darkness and an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of the knowledge of truth, woo, are you somebody? <clears throat> you then who teach the law, do you not teach yourself? Aren't you also guilty? Verse 23, you who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. You do the same things that they do. For it is written that the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. So the Jews fall under this. Of course, the sinners, Romans chapter 3, we find our Romans road here. Finding the way that we point people to their need for Christ. Romans chapter 3, verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, <clears throat> so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God, for by the works of the law no human being is justified 
in God's sight. So by the works of the law, by doing these things is not where the justification is. What, what is the necessity? Faith. You must believe. Believing is the essential part, not just the doing of the law. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by what? Grace as a gift, not by their works, not by what they did, not by fulfilling the law, but through the obedience of faith. We have then example of Abraham. You can read that. We've got the example in chapter 5 of Jesus versus Adam. You can read that. We come to Romans chapter 8, and it's believing, following the Spirit, those who are spiritually minded. Those who follow the ways of the Spirit, again, it is the Spirit on the inside of us that calls us to the obedience of faith. Again, it's doing, believing. I mean, it's believing, not the doing. Then we have this interesting section with Esau and Jacob, Pharaoh and Moses, unbelieving Israel. Well, what is the issue? That God just didn't like Esau? Didn't like his name, didn't like his face, didn't like what he was. No. God knew by his foreknowledge. That's all pointed out in this passage. We'll get to this when we get to chapter 9. God knew by foreknowledge that Esau had no regard for his birthright. He didn't care that he was to be the one through whom the blessing was to come. The promise was to be passed down through him. What an honor that he could be the one and his family could be the one through whom this blessing would flow. But Esau didn't want the birthright. He had no regard for it. Instead, his heart was filled with evil and rebellion. So God chose Jacob instead of Esau. Yeah, but didn't God do that before Esau ever did those things? Yes, but God knew that he would. God didn't make him do those things. God didn't set him up. God just knew that he would. And so for a pot of beans, <laughs> some kind of bean, they must have been good. He sold his birthright. I don't care. I'm hungry. And so that's what he wanted. Pharaoh and Moses, familiar with that story. But it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. But why? Because Pharaoh wouldn't change. Now, God's not going to change. God does not change. So God gave Pharaoh the opportunity. Pharaoh didn't want to change. So God didn't change. He didn't say, okay, let me, let me see if I can make a deal with you. Let's, let's, let's meet together and we'll discuss this and you know, we'll make a compromise. God they made no compromise. He came back with the same thing. Yeah, but Moses or Pharaoh's already rejected that. That doesn't change anything. God said it again. Well, that just made Pharaoh angry. So, did God make Pharaoh angry? Say yes. Yes, he did. God hardened his heart. Why? Because God wouldn't change. But neither would Pharaoh. But God is the one who is in authority. And so... The more God just said, I'm going to do this, this is how it's going to be, the harder Pharaoh's heart became. So we have that. And then, of course, we got the story of Israel. 
And that's told in Romans chapters 10 and 11. But God calls us to a different way of life. He's called us to, to an obedience of faith. And an illustration of this is found in Romans chapter 12. Verse 1 and 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. God doesn't want blood. He wants your body. He wants to use you. The obedience of faith says what? I will come and offer myself to God. Not that I'm going to go do this and God's going to bless me. No, I'm going to offer myself to him and then I will be able to do whatever it is he needs me to do, however he wants me to do it. And so it says this is, this was holy and acceptable, and it is their spiritual worship, or the Greek word actually means their logical worship. It's, it's just the logical outcome of what they would do. And so we're not conformed to this world, but we're being transformed. How? Again, obedience of faith. I believe his word and my life becomes changed. I believe his word and my thinking becomes changed. My desires become different. I'm not changing myself. I'm believing him, trusting him, submitting to what he says, and my life is being changed. This is the promise that God has made. Now, this promise is not just to us. Let's look at the last page, page number four. And this is God's promise to everyone. This gospel is not just for the Jews. And the gospel is not just for people that God has chosen. It's for everyone. So Paul says in Romans chapter 1, he talked about the obedience of faith. He says, for the sake of his name. To call everyone to the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. In other words, that God's name might be proclaimed among all the nations. Is God favored toward Israel? Yeah, you could say Israel's God's favorite. But so am I. So are you. We are God's favorite. Does that change the fact that God has a special place for the nation of Israel in his, in his purpose and his plan? No. But God also has a, a special place in his purpose and plan for me and for you. So that we are fulfilling the things that God has called us to do. And this is for the sake of his name among the nations, not just among the nation of Israel. That's the way they looked at it. It's only for us because we're the ones that got the law. We're the ones that are doing what God commanded. But it's not the doing. It's the believing. And this is what God was after, the obedience of faith. So God established one way by which all would come to salvation. Let's read Romans chapter 15, verse 8. <clears throat> Romans 15, verse 8 says, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, that's the Jews, to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promise given to the patriarchs, in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. In order that the Gentiles. God used the Jews to bring his message to 
the Gentiles. This is his purpose. This was his plan. This is what that verse earlier was talking about. God's name is blasphemed because the Jews were not being who they're supposed to be. Numerous times in the prophets of the Old Testament, when they would bring their, their judgments against Israel and against the nation, it was because you have not proclaimed my name among the nations. You have not shown my goodness and my grace. Instead, you keep changing over to their gods and changing over to their ways. You keep compromising who you are so that you can blend in with them. That's not what God wanted. He didn't want the whole world to have to live under the law. The law wasn't given to the world. The law was given to the nation of Israel. But if they had followed the way that God had given them, then the gospel, the message of God's goodness and who he was would have been spread to all the nations. But they didn't do it that way. So it was in order to confirm the promise given to the patriarchs. There was no law. Abraham had no law. Abraham did not live under the Ten Commandments. He lived under a promise. Believe. Follow me. Go here. Stay there. And so Abraham lived by that promise. Verse 9, And in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing your name. And again, the Old Testament says, Rejoice, Gentiles, with his people. Verse 11, And again, the Old Testament says, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. And let all the people extol him. Verse 12, And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, and even he who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. So all of this, God did not exclude the Gentiles, which is the Greek word for the nations. All right, same, same word. And so this is the nations. There's Israel and then there's the nations. Most of us belong to the nations. Some of you may belong to the nation. Maybe you are Jewish. Maybe you have Jewish roots. That's good and wonderful. But it's not your Jewishness that is the issue. It's not my Gentileness. My word. It's not my Gentileness, it's not our Jewishness. It's the obedience of faith. That's what God has called us to. Listen to Acts chapter 17. Paul says, Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere. Commands who? All men everywhere to repent. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. And he has given assurance of this to all. Who is this man? By raising him from the dead. Only Jesus. So God is going to judge all the nations. That's why the message is for all the nations. Because all men everywhere will be judged by this one Jesus, the Messiah. So God sent the gospel to all of them so that through the obedience of faith they might come to salvation. 
Acts chapter 2, it's a beautiful picture of Peter preaching. And in his message, he preaches that all men everywhere are to repent. Even on the day of Pentecost, it was not just for the Jews. It was for all men everywhere to repent. And then finally, Acts chapter 13. And it says on the next Sabbath, this is Paul in the city of Antioch, Acts 13. And on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. Paul had come in, ministered on a Sabbath day. And when the people heard that he was there, they brought in Gentiles. Some who liked the message of Judaism but had not become converts yet. Some who'd never heard it. But their friends said, come, listen to this. And one of the things it says continuously through all these passages is that there was a great number of, of the chief women of the city who came and heard this message. And so this message was going forth. So then there was so much to say. The leaders of the synagogue said, okay, well, this man will be back. Paul will be back next week and, and we'll hear him again. Yeah. And so they allowed him to come. The whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitude of Gentiles, they were filled with envy. In contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. So then they began speaking against what Paul is saying. So here's the message calling them to the obedience of faith. To believe. Jews, believe. Gentiles, believe. Men, believe. Women, believe. Slaves, believe. Free, believe. Young, old, all ethnic groups, all social strata, everyone, believe. Verse 6, then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, speaking to the Jewish leaders. But since, notice this next phrase, since you reject it and judge yourself unworthy of eternal life. You judge yourself unworthy of eternal life. They refused to obey the promise that God had made. They rejected the obedience of faith. Since you reject and judge yourself unworthy, we turn to the Gentiles. So we'll go to the nations. These people want to hear. They want to find this message. They want to hear it. Now, that didn't mean that many Jews still didn't come. And Paul found many Jews coming to him and finding the answer uh, to what they had been believing for centuries, that this Messiah would come. We turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for or you should bring salvation to the ends of the earth. This is the promise that God had made. So the obedience of faith is about people receiving this message and coming 
to this not by doing, but by hearing and believing. Now, this becomes an essential part as we move into the book of, of Romans. It becomes an essential part of Paul's message. Again, why is Paul writing to these people? Well, they don't know him. They may have heard of him. Some of them there knew him. There's 30-some people in chapter 16 that know Paul. Paul knows them. Some are leaders. Some are just attenders within the churches that are there. But Paul wants to come to this city so that he says, a passage we'll look at next week, he says that I might have some fruit and that by the mutual faith of both you and I, Paul believing as he preaches, them believing as they receive, that there might be fruit among the church that is at Rome. And Paul wants to help them over some of the hurdles that they have faced. There's, there's some division between Jew and Gentile. There's some little bit of arrogance about, well, we're Jewish believers. They're Gentile believers. No, it's all just one. You didn't come to God by your works. You came by faith. And over and over, it's this message of faith. It's the message of the word. It's what the word will produce in you. These people of Rome have never heard this kind of message. All they've heard is just different little pieces of the gospel, maybe some of the stories of Jesus' life and different ones coming there and, and preaching to them. But they had never heard anyone lay out, as Paul is going to do, this doctrine of salvation. Because if anything, the book of Romans is almost like a systematic theology. This is God. This is what he did. Here's man's need. Here's how God responded. This is how you can live. And this is what's going to happen in the end. And so God is laying all of this out so that these people can be stable. Why? Why does God want a stable church in Rome? Well, he wants a stable church everywhere, but why Rome? Because they are going to change the empire. And through this, church in Rome became the central point for the great change that took place through the empire. Oh, yeah, it took a couple hundred years. And there was a lot of mistakes. A lot of mistakes. But you know what? Ultimately, what happened? The gospel spread. Rome fell. But the church went on. There was all manners of darkness, but the church went on. Several hundred years later, the light of the gospel came back on. It's like, I call it the gospel in eclipse. For several hundred years, the gospel went into eclipse. But then, 1500s, Martin Luther, John Calvin, the light came back on. And so, this glorious gospel spread. Romans. I think it's probably one of the most powerful books in the New Testament. So, next week, we're going to talk about Thanksgiving. Paul's Thanksgiving for the gift that has been given to him for the gospel and for what God wants to do through him. So, Father, we thank you for this 
message. We thank you for these words. Thank you, Father God, that you speak to our hearts. Father, help us to follow after your revelations, that you reveal to our hearts things that you want us to do. But Father, help us see we first need to believe. Before we do, we need to believe. Believe your word. Believe your promise. Believe the words that you speak, the directions that you give, the change that you want in our life, the corrections, the redirections. Father, help us to come to a place of the obedience of faith that you might be glorified in all that we do. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.